On this Lenten journey, we have been in a series on surrender. And it's been extraordinary. Last Sunday, Pastor John and then we had a guest speaker in our contemporary services, a, a strange name to us, uh, Mark Rowland, <laughs> talked about the cost of surrender. They talked about what you need to hand over to Jesus in surrender and what is worth more than eternal life. And we heard from our missionary, Sarah Putman, about her journey to complete surrender and what God is doing through her in counseling and then also helping refugees from the Ukraine get into Romania. Today, we are going to examine a deep connection we can have with God through abiding in Jesus Christ. There's a picture on our stairwell. We've had this picture for years. It's yay big. And it says it has a vine growing and luscious grapes pouring down from the vine. And it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And I see it almost every day. And it's what we're going to talk about today and break it down. Jesus was a master of figurative language. He used stories to proclaim his great truths. He told parables. He painted word pictures. He referred to ordinary things, my friends, in order that he might underscore extraordinary and eternal truths for us, the listener. The disciples would have been able to identify this image of Jesus, the image of the vine and the branches, the fruit bearing and the pruning and the dead branches being burned. They would have been able to identify it with, because, because of all of Israel was the land of, of, of vineyards in Palestine as well. But more than that, the vine was the symbol of Israel. As a matter of fact, at the temple entrance, there was a large vine that wove in, etched into the gold. Right there at the door for everyone to see. And over and over and over again in the Old Testament and in the Psalms and through the words of the prophet, you have Israel being referred to as the vine and even more as the vineyard of God. And how shocking it would have been for the disciples when they heard Jesus at his time with him before he would give his life, making one bold, amazing claim, I am the true vine. And in that claim, there are statements of connectedness with God and a new reality available to all in the new covenant. Let's look at this powerful scripture together. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch that withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. 
If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given or done for you. In this text, Jesus gives us an incredible picture when people on earth live in abiding trust and dependency on an unseen God in heaven. The image of the vineyard overflowing with grapes is a powerful metaphor that Jesus chooses to talk about to his disciples so that they would depend upon him, so that we would depend upon him. It's an easy metaphor for his disciples to envision. Vineyards were all over the place. Like I said, it's a challenge for us here in Cincinnati, isn't it? Especially being suburbanites. We think we get our grapes and our wines and our grape juice from Kroger. We don't see vineyards. <laughs> Most of the vineyards and farming in those vineyards seems pretty distant. We don't see the dirty, arduous process. So this illustration from Jesus can, can pass us by without a lot of recognition to its deeper level meaning. But in this scripture, Jesus likens his father to the vine dresser, himself to the vine, his followers, you and I, to the branches and the abundant harvest of grapes as to outcome of life lived in that trusting dependence. First, let's look at his father as the vine dresser that has the job of pruning the branches. To prune means to cut off or to cut back for better shape and more fruitful growth. When we prune correctly, we encourage that healthy growth and flowering to its fullest potential. There are times when it's absolutely necessary to prune to encourage that rejuvenated vine so that the fruit can become more and more and more and multiply. And when pruning is neglected, my friends, plants become overgrown, they become wild, and dead branches begin to interfere with the health of the whole. Though pruning can make branches look bare, it's preparing for, for the way of things to come. I talked to my friend Mary the other day about this sermon, and she told me the story about her friend Kathy and Kathy's rose bushes. She told me about how Kathy moved into a home that had rose bushes in the backyard. And Kathy was clueless, just absolutely clueless, on how to care for these roses. Now, Kathy had a friend. She knew that knew a lot about pruning roses. So she called her up and asked her to come over. And this woman was very versed in pruning and the principles of pruning. Kathy went to Home Depot to get some things to help with the gardening process. The woman, her friend, pruned the roses. Kathy got home and she went out into her backyard and she gasped. <laughs> she screamed, you killed my roses! Her friend laughed and said, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay, they'll be fine, trust me. But Kathy couldn't believe her. But eventually, the summer the watering, the sun, progressed her roses. And they popped out and Kathy said, they were the most beautiful roses that she had ever seen. God's pruning is similar work, my friends. The vine dresser in wisdom and care must prune and trim so the plant can flourish and thrive. And God in wisdom and care does 
the work of spiritual pruning in our lives. As Christians, we are molded and shaped and purposed for our own good through pruning and for God's good glory. We have to trust the vine dresser. Allow God to prune. That's a form of surrender. We surrender to the one who knows where and when and how to cut away the unproductive parts of our lives. And this is done with wisdom and loving care. I dig the movie Karate Kid. I'm from the 80s. And Karate Kid has so much to teach us. It's especially a part in the movie that I, that I love. It's the wise Mr. Miyagi, who's a maintenance worker, but he, he, he also is a very wise karate teacher. And he teaches this young teenager, Daniel. And one time in the movie, he teaches him to prune and shape a bonsai tree. In the scene, Mr. Miyagi puts Daniel in front of one of his bonsai trees. And he says... And I'm going to use my best mystery Miyagi impersonation here. Close eyes. Close eyes. Trust. Think only tree. Wipe your mind clean of everything but tree. Picture tree. Trust picture. Now begin. Daniel opens his eyes and he takes those tiny scissors and he starts clipping bit by bit, and shaping that little bonsai tree. My friends, God has a picture of a version of our best selves. He knows what's best for us. And there's very detailed, delicate work that God desires to do in us through His holy ways. We have to trust that gracious work and depend on His wise and loving care to form us into the image of all that is good and right. The image of Jesus Christ. Our attachment to the vine, it's a gift. Pruning is a gift. When we're pruned, it tells us that God loves us. It's the most amazing gift that we could ever receive on this human journey, and it should be seen as an honor and privilege. You see, in God, there's continual thought and love and concern about our well-being in this attachment. The ministry of the Holy Spirit works in dynamic ways to make and form us into God's workmanship of beauty. I love the song, Beautiful Things. It's a song that I've been just warming up to as I've listened to it more and more. It's a contemporary Christian song. And here's some of the lyrics. It says, all this pain. I wonder if I'll ever find my way. I wonder if my life can really change at all. All this earth, could all that is lost ever be found? Could a garden come up from this ground? You make beautiful things. You make beautiful things out of dust. You make beautiful things. You make beautiful things out of us. My friends, you are a beautiful creation of God. Don't let anyone tell you any different. And we worship a God who is a master gardener. Jesus says, apart from him, 
We can find no, no source of spiritual nourishment, no abundant life, and no incredible fruit that God tries to give to us and grow in us. But in Him, we find purpose and direction and being fully alive in Christ. A part of a living, organic reality. In Christ, the fruit we bear is evidence of God's work in our hearts. It's like growth in compassion and kindness toward others. Hearts and minds renewed to love the things of God and the ways and rhythms of Jesus and the development of spiritual discipline and maturity and truth and wisdom found in God's words and life that reflect and speak of Jesus. We become more fruitful. God not only wants us to be fruitful, but to stay and grow in that fruit. In order, in order that we continue to bear fruit in our lives, anything that hinders us or entangles us must be clipped or tri- trimmed or completely, at times, uprooted and replanted. Pruning seasons often help us to see the sinful areas in our hearts or expose the harmful things in our lives. The pruning is the Father's discipline to call for us to rearrange our time and our priorities, to cast aside peripheral interests, to not allow the sprouts of trouble or disappointments and defeats to take energy from our fruit-bearing calling. You know, this text is really about lordship and our surrender to that lordship. J.D. Hudson Taylor once famously said, Christ is either Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. We can trust that God sees beyond our present reality for future growth and glory. So how do we flourish with more and more abundant fruit? Yeah, there's pruning, but Jesus reiterates into a word of how we can. He uses one word Ten times. Did you catch it? That word is abide. Look at verses 4 and 5 again. Just look at abide in this. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is, uh, he is that. He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. He uses, like I said, that word ten times in the first seven verses. If I ask you a question, where are you now? There'll be lots of answers. For example, you could answer from location. Yeah, I'm in a sanctuary in the pew. Or if you're at home, hey, Jonathan, I'm in the lounge. Or I'm in the kitchen. If you focus on an age bracket, you could divine yourself from an age perspective. Oh, I'm in the teenager. I'm a teenager. I'm in my teenage years, or I'm in my golden years. Or it could do with your health. I'm in good shape. Or one could answer from a mental health perspective. I'm in a good place at the moment. However, if you ask a Christian where you are now, the first and foremost answer must be, I am in Christ. This is the most common way of describing a Christian in the New Testament. It's the most significant thing about being a Christian. A Christian's life is hidden with Christ in God. And Paul talks about that constantly, being in Christ, being alive in Christ. 
No matter what age bracket we are in or where we might physically be or emotionally be, we are in Christ when we choose to believe and remain and abide in Him. And Jesus, as the Son, abides in the Father, as Jesus describes in John 14, we must abide in the Son. What does it mean to abide in this vine that Jesus talks about? Some passages translate abide with the word remain. I believe the word abide is a better word than remain. You know, you can remain somewhere without that being your home. But to abide somewhere means it is your home. Branches abide in the vine. This is their home life reality. It resides with the attached address, the dwelling of a deep residential connectedness. You know, even if you don't touch or don't garden much, you can understand what Jesus means by abiding in him. You know, if you look at a flower or a fruit tree and trace from the branch down to the stem and to the ground, you'll see that there's a network of life for every part of that plant. A network that is supplied by that root drawing up, sucking up the nourishment into the stem and feeding out to the tip of every branch. And Jesus is the true vine that gives our lives nourishment in every stage of life and every circumstance in life. What we're growing through. He's the true vine that helps us be fruitful in those growth times. Helping us to grow branches bearing fruit from his nourishment and his sustenance. Do you know there are wine experts who can taste a wine and tell you from what part of the world that wine is from in a blind tasting? They can actually taste the soil from the vine where the grapes came from. They could say, oh, this is from Napa. Pick this one up. Oh, this one is from France. (laughs) All because of the hints given to the grape by the nourishment from the soil. You can also hold up like a Chardonnay grape into the light. And you can actually see soil particles in that grape. It's amazing how the vine provides that powerful nourishment. So that we can taste the fruit of the bran- of the fruit from the branches of the vine. It's the same way, being connected and abiding in Jesus. We abide in what He tells us in these passages, the nourishment of His love. In this chapter, verse 9, Jesus made it a point to say to his disciples, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now abide in my love. When we are raised into the light, there should be particles. No, the whole totality of us should show divine love. People should see his divine love coming from us. Man, now I see spots on my page. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I looked up into the light a little longer. (laughs) You see that love is the nourishment for the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Folks, we work from God's love, not for God's love. We work from God's love, not for God's love. 
Fruit bearing doesn't cause us to earn a relationship with God. It's evidence that we have a relationship with God. If you're not connected to the true vine, you cannot, you cannot bear that incredible loving fruit. When you're connected to the true vine, you cannot help but to bear fruit. You are a fruit bearer. Look at John 15, 16. It says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed that you should bear fruit. This is all God's work. If we are in his son, we remain in his love, we obey his commandments, and we have this never sleeping gardener working for, for to bring forth fruit for his own glory. Fruit for others. They can experience fruit from us in our living. You know, I always say we should have fruit, not physically dangling from us. Don't wear a coat of fruit. But have fruit just dangling from our actions and our words uh, available for all to pick. People should see love in action. They should see joy displayed, peace spoken, patience given, kindness and gentleness expressed, goodness flowing, self-control held. The important point to take from this is that the Christian life is not something you can manufacture. If there's no union with Christ, there's no fruit, no life. The disciple is powered by that connection to Christ. And there is a living withinness to that life. The only way to produce that fruit is to be connected to the one, the true vine. If you want to grow in patience, abide in Christ. Deep connection. If you want to become more loving, abide in Christ. If you want to become more purer, abide in Christ. This is where we draw the power to give life. Who is your vine? What is your vine? Who or what do you go to when you're hurting? What matters most in your life? What do you revolve your life around? For some of us, it's our income or our assets. For others, it's our kids. Or for others, it's our home or job or maybe the glory days of working, uh, maybe working out or having our favorite uh, sport or food or uh, substance. It could be something that takes, takes a form of sin, that takes over our lives, whether it's alcoholism or drugs or, or pornography or, or other ways of pouring ourselves into our job, where that ever, all that takes over. And some of these are very bad, others are not. But hear me, clearly they are not the vine. They are not the center of your life. When you make them the center of your life, the word for that is idolatry. I want so desperately for you to know this true vine, the way, the truth, and the life, the one who gave his life so that you can live. I want you to walk in sync with him every day. And we're going to take a couple minutes, two minutes, to just abide with him here before we are invited to come to be in him at his table. Let's pray. And maybe have this time of prayer be asking God to prune or asking God to show you how and what it means to abide in Him.